What's up, people? Welcome to a brand new edition of Wrestle Update. I am your host, Dylan Fox, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, somebody I love very much, Nello de Angelis. What's up? <laughs> I jumped the queue. I'm doing a great start already. Hey, we were talking to uh, none of us have gotten <laughs> this. Is, none of us have slept very much going into this show. I will admit that right off to the start. And our plans changed in the middle of the week as well uh, for the show. We were going to do a special show. and We will do that in a couple weeks, too. Uh, the Kind of a, a reintroduction to the show, because at the start of Russell Update, it was a, a frantic, <laughs> a frantic show at the start. But Scott Edwards was mainly my co-host for that uh, first few months, and he was a great guy, and I I love him a lot too. A uh, very cool guy. It's just he had a lot going on uh, in his life in wrestling, the Five Star Network, uh, and all kinds of stuff happened. Uh, but then I went through an era where things were like different people were on every week. And that was really trying to be honest, uh, that whole era, that month or two. Uh, but then Nello just popped up from the heavens uh, for me. It was like, Hey, I want to do a show. And I was like, man, I've been waiting for this. <laughs> I've been waiting for this. I was on your college thesis. <laughs> like, and then here you are on my show. It feels like an equal trade off for sure. Here I am. <laughs> so, somehow you somehow you didn't get expelled for even putting me into any of your papers there, but it worked. It worked. I still can't believe they let me honestly write my master's um, <laughs> thesis in film about pro wrestling. But hey, it is it's cinema, baby. So it's, and what what better way? To talk about wrestling and cinema that you have in. But yeah. Um, so yeah, we had to change the plans. But we will do the reintroduction because I wanted everybody to get uh, you know, get a good feel for me and Nello, all the new listeners out there that have come along since uh, Nello's joined, obviously. Uh, give everybody a platform for their speak and, and all of that. But as it turns out, we had another plan. And Nello came to me in the middle of the week. And I was like, this is a great idea. I, it's not that I didn't – well, it is that I didn't think of it, first of all. But more importantly, I didn't know that it was even a possibility <laughs> that this was happening. Also, next week is Grand Slam, which we'll do a show on <laughs> for AEW as well. Uh, so I also forgot about that as well. But I can't be blamed for that. They don't promote it that well. So don't blame me for <laughs> their poor promotional tactics. Uh, also not promoted that well, although it is very highly promoted when it actually happens. The PWI 500, and obviously the the 500 maybe isn't as up there in prestige as it once was decades ago, but if you look at the list, we were talking before the show started, and uh, we had a little off-air chat for a, a little while, um, <laughs> the list is so... <laughs> So fun to go through just for the random combinations of like so and so is ahead of X but behind Y. You get a lot of things there. And Nelly, you had not seen this list before you came on here. You just started it like 20 minutes ago, pretty much. Yeah, like whenever we hop on here, I just open up a bunch of tabs of just pretty much everything we're going to cover, like the cage match pages or a wiki. or So here I got it pulled up. Um, I'm just admiring it, honestly. So 49, like 499 Big Dust, that's um, that's Trent's nickname for Chuck Taylor. Yeah. Um, so I'm wondering if Chuck got on here twice. Uh, it's just it's a very fascinating. <laughs> no, the so Big Dust 
is a, a wrestler from Delaware here. Ah, uh, so, okay. so I've done extensive research. This is sure. this is a big this is a big dust lore podcast right now. We're on <laughs> big uh, dust respect zone. Yeah, <laughs> yes, that's and what we all knew it would be eventually. Like once we got there, but they actually have wrestlers like uh, uh, Myung Jae Lee who was actually on, like, a Ring of Honor show earlier this year. It was, like, 481. They have so many people, and some of them from all over the world, too. It's not just America. Uh, they have wrestlers from everywhere. Um, you know, even smaller places, which is something I love. Uh, like, they had, like, uh, Andrew Ta- uh, Tong in there, like, 491 from Singapore. It's like I like how they snuck cool. the Singaporean wrestlers in there, but 491 doesn't seem like a big deal to anybody else. But for somebody from Singapore, it's actually a really big deal. Because that's one of the things, if nobody knows this, the Southeast Asian wrestling scene is super cool in that it's not like there's a ton of fans or super huge, but the passion of the fans is so strong. Uh, and that was like one of my dreams. I always wanted to wrestle in like the Philippines and stuff because i know a lot of people there uh that are like super huge wrestling fans they love new japan they started watching the wwe like everybody <laughs> pretty much uh but there's so many random names here people that i would never even heard of and you also get the good um the good feeling of just seeing random names and people you haven't heard of like jesse goddard is on this list and i was like he's still wrestling i remember him from tna like 15 years ago and he's still around somehow um and then you get something like Unsocial Jordan. I don't know who that is, but I love the name. He's very unsocial. <laughs> unsocial Jordan. Yeah, it's um have you ever seen that list? Like Chuck T- not to go back to Chuck Taylor, but oh well. This is a Chuck Taylor um, podcast right now. This is a Chuck <laughs> Taylor zone. This is a Chuck E. T zone. Yes. I hope you're having an awful waffle morning. Um what was it? He made that list of like all the fake wrestler indie names and it was Oh like, yeah. My favorite is that uh, Steve No Gimmicks Needed the Samurai. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but some of these just sound like the like that. Like Rob Radke literally sounds like Ronnie Radke secretly wrestling in Mexico with like Travis Banks and Marty Skrull. He's like, oh, I'm just Rob Radke, guys. It's not who you think I am. <laughs> this is this is definitely Ronnie Radke's alter ego, wrestling <laughs> alter ego, for sure. This is IWRG Ronnie Radke put on here, <laughs> and uh, they've snuck him into the list. Lucha memes Ronnie Radke. <laughs> yeah, they'd probably use him to, to be honest if they could. Oh my god! I don't know what he, I don't know about his drawing power in Mexico. I don't know how big <laughs> falling in reverse is there, but uh, again, I, I know a lot of people in Mexico, so let me know if uh, there's a tour going on there. Uh, him and Drake Bell are teaming up on, on tour. Uh, like, what, what's going on in, in Mexico? Let us know about the scene there. Uh, by the way, speaking of Mexico, we're going to do a, a Lucha talk either, like, probably tomorrow, to be honest, uh, because uh, Anniversario is happening today, too. So, uh, Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, we're going to see some people lose their mask uh, on here. And probably, hopefully, Templario versus who? Uh, Dragon Rojo Jr. Wow. The, the the corpse uh, that he he wrestles as currently because he's he's so injured like I don't know how he made it this far but he was once a prominent like up and coming guy it's just he's so he's faced so many injuries but hey he's getting an anniversary payoff out of all of this so it all works out 
Uh, I was actually trying to go because um, somebody I'm really close to is from Mexico, and I thought that would be like a really fun trip, like to go to Mexico City for uh, Anniversario, but it didn't really work out. Uh, I know my co-host on Lucha Talk, Microman Fever, uh, he he just is not impressed with the card that much, even though I actually like it. I think it'll be a good show on there, uh, going in there. But regardless, uh, we do have uh, you know the Chuck Taylor gimmick names and things like that. No no gimmicks needed. Steve the Samurai. Uh, you know what what about uh, Mick the Kraken McCracken? I'm, I mean, I'm looking at Bobby Buffet. Um, I don't That's even. That's a real wrestler. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. Oh, are, what you, about are you talking about okay. more Chuck Taylor games? Big Beef? I've seen Big Beef wrestle in ICW Pit Fighter. Yeah, see, good. look at that. This is, this is a Beef Respect Zone right now. We must like, watch him. How, <laughs> how do you want to approach this list? Because, like, I, I don't I, know. I don't, like, I'm like, okay, 494, Austin Luke, HTO, or HT, I cannot talk today. H2O <laughs> champion. And then my brain's like, Levi Everett, 484, is he still doing the Amish gimmick? So I, I have no idea how to approach this other than just shouting things out. I mean, those are the big questions when you talk about, is he still doing the Amish gimmick? <laughs> like, imagine this. Like, think about your work. You're talking about your films. You've got a great degree. You work on video games. Imagine what other source of media, like what other medium of entertainment would you ask the question, does he still work the Amish gimmick in? <laughs> it's like impossible. If you're, maybe crime, if you're like trying to heist a bank, you're like, hey, does Doug still work the Amish gimmick? And you're like trying to figure out how to <laughs> how to get in the bank or something. <laughs> maybe if you're talking in code, <laughs> like it means something, you know. Uh, no, like he parks the, parks the wagon in front or whatever, blocks the entrance, right? Yeah. Okay. So if you're robbing a bank with horses, yep. you're an you're an Amish gimmick. That's the Amish gimmick. Ah, okay. Uh, good good plan there. I like that. Uh, <laughs> do not take uh, not that not that you should ever uh, rob any banks or anything, but if you do, don't take any advice for us because you will get arrested. And yeah, don't run the Amish gimmick. But if you do, uh, Levi Everett is in front of Ren Ayabe by one space, so maybe it could pay off. So. <laughs> That's Even you can get it to the PWI 500 with the Amish gimmick here. Um, uh, I, I do like uh, Corn Dog 287. 287. Yeah. Okay. And right behind, uh, right ahead of him, Carlito. <laughs> as well. <I'm> <laughs> he wrestled this year. Honestly, his pop from Backlash should get him like at least in the top 200. So I, I agree. Uh, hey, go back to the episode me and Scott did about that show, and I said they should put the title on it. Have him beat Roman on there. That that's the dream world we live in. Uh, see, you got Kid Bandit. Uh, shout out, shout out to them. They're they're out with injury right now, but Kid Bandit, uh, indie extraordinaire for sure. Uh, Charles Mason. We talked about him on the GCW show 251. I watched a 20 minute match between him and Richard Holiday the other night, and the whole time I was like, "Why am I watching this?" <laughs> Little Mean Kathleen 444. Um. <laughs> well, I will say this about the list uh, now to try to bring some sense of <laughs> something to this show. Uh, this very strange show that I, that we're talking about right now. 
so according to their own listing here, so to try to explain the PWI 500, they try to make it like, and like I said, a lot of people like rag on it a little bit, where it's like a kayfabe magazine in, in 2023. It makes no sense. I actually think it's kind of, if you look at it as just a different way to analyze wrestling, there's actually value in it. How they do it, I don't really agree with a lot of their rankings, but uh, obviously they have they've had like a lot of stuff slip through the cracks. Like Naito was left off the list th- this year from New Japan um, last they year. They got Cash the sod on it though. They got I mean, the sod. <laughs> He's all, still around. That's what I'm saying. Like half of these guys on the bottom half are people that I'm not certain have wrestled, but they were at least they did something like ten years ago. And we just they've just disappeared since, but somehow you will still find them on the PWI 500. I'm very mad that I never made it uh, when I wrestled, even as a teenager. I, I'd like to get the 2007 PWI 500 and scroll through it, see who I think I could beat, or I, I could have beaten uh, around then. But I, like I was saying, I think that there's actual value in this if you just look at it as a different way of analyzing wrestling uh, overall. And according to them, this is their creed that they they claim to follow. Follow. I'm not saying that they did. I'm not saying that they're correct. I'm not saying they even follow their own rules. But I'm saying their rankings are determined by their criteria. A few different factors. One, the win-loss record. Simple enough. Wins and losses. Makes sense. Like a, a real sport. Just like NFL, which if there was an NFL 500, I'm not certain the Panthers would make it, unfortunately, the, the way we looked at week one. Uh, but at least we were better than the Giants, so that's something. Uh, the, the titles won, so titles, obviously. That's a big thing. I've known people that have worked on this list before and still do in some cases, and they love titles. Like That's something they, they think is very easy to point to have accomplishments things like that i would presume that this would count something like say the royal rumble or a tournament like the g1 winner that should count in your rankings i think it does uh but that's just what they list quality of competition that's really kind of hard to quantify but i guess if you determine other great win-loss record holders like I, I, w- I would presume Brock Lesnar would be <laughs> considered a great person while a guy who never wins probably isn't that great uh major feuds prominence within a promotion and overall wrestling ability so that's a common misconception with this list everyone always says it's just a cave list but they say in their own rankings that wrestling ability does matter to it somewhat but it's just mainly cave it's like the observer hall of fame like they count wrestling skill but they also mainly care about drawing power and stuff like that uh, overall so with that said, you look at this list, and we're not going to go over all 500 names because that could be the absolute worst podcast in the history of podcasts if, the, if we did that. Um, although that's something I've always wanted to do. If you ever, if you ever knew my wrestling, I could generously be co- called an Owen Hart wannabe. Was basically how I wrestled. And his his dream was to have the worst rated match ever by Dave Meltzer, and I think I could pull that off with a podcast version to try to have the worst show ever. And if that happens next year, we may pull that out to try to have the the lowest rated podcast of all time. Um, but we will not do that this year. We're going to cut it to the top ten 
for now, a listing, and we will go from there. Uh, number 10, Cody Rhodes. He's from WWE. Number nine was Josh, Josh Alexander. He's from Impact, uh, long-term champion for, for them. Impact getting some top 10 love. Orange Cassidy, AEW. He had the long international title reign. Okada from New Japan. Everybody knows him. MJF, he's the champion of AEW. Makes perfect sense. Il Del Vikingo, the champion of AAA, for whatever that's worth. But he is in the top five. Gunther, Intercontinental Champion. John Moxley, he's one. He remember that was that weird run last year where the Punk craziness was going on, and he won it like twice in a week. Moxley did uh, the the title. Uh, Punk not on the list either. Uh, not on the top 500 list there. Uh, so an- another like gotcha you could throw at CM Punk as we dance on his grave on this podcast. Um, and, and Roman Reigns and Seth, and, like they did it. This was a marketing gimmick, clearly, to have Seth, Roman, and, and Moxley on the top three. Like, oh, the Shield is back. It's like right on the cover. So clearly, they just wanted the Shield to be in the top three. I think was about as far as that went. Yeah, um, having the Shield top three is cool. Um, it is definitely like just a further affirmation of the impact that group has had on wrestling. Um, Gunther is interesting for sure. It's really cool to see Vikingo so high. Um, like if anything, you know, we were saying it's through a kayfabe lens, right? Rather than analyzing like, oh, this wrestler placed there or whatever. Um, I don't know. It's it's fun to analyze like how they value and position titles and companies more yeah. than anything. Cause like, I mean, Gunther right there, that's like the highest I can recall a mid card title guy getting up in a while. I mean, I guess Cody's 10. So um, that's close for another mid card wrestler. Um, Vikingo at five badass man. Like that's just really cool. But like, like, like I don't know. It, it's just really wild to have Vikingo in front of MJF. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the world we live in now, pretty much, to where... And he did wrestle on AEW uh, multiple times. Obviously, the match with Omega in March is, like, a very well-remembered match and very well-known at the time. Uh, uh, and he did a lot of GCW stuff, too. So he's in and out of America, AAA. He's had some big matches on top, even though they haven't had the best year with their Triple Mania run that they've had, to say the least. But, yeah, Vikingo getting in is cool. And like I said, to the wrestlers, this obviously means a lot. Like, everybody grew up knowing about it. Somebody like Josh Alexander and Impact uh, getting into the top ten, you know. Because that's the thing, too, like what you mentioned. You can't just purely look, or they don't more accurately. Like, you can't do anything, I guess. But you, they don't just look at, oh, so-and-so was 100 wins and zero losses, so now they're the number one player. They try to keep it into the stars because they want to sell these magazines pretty much, and they want to put somebody they like on the cover. Um, but they they try to bridge in and out uh, of trying to accomplish a million different things. I don't know. Like, they try to accomplish so much, and it's – noble in some ways but also i don't know if they satisfy any of their their criterias like with the end result but they try and i think that's honorable uh you get like we were talking about off the air too 
they do it really strange with the women where like they'll put women into the top 500 but only if they have intergender matches which like that could lead to stuff where somebody could be 90% in the women's division but like if they did enough they'll be in but then also they won't count say like Becky Lynch or Bianca Belair or Asuka like or you know Britt Baker or Sheeta they won't put any of those stardom women or anything like that. They have their own women's uh, uh, list coming out at the end of the year, the PWI 250, which I think they're building up to it being the women's 500 next year. Like, cause they've grown it each time. It's like 500. Then it was a hundred. Then it was 150, and now it's 250. And then next year, they'll probably go all the way with the 500. But I just think it's kind of interesting how they do that. I think that, if it were up to me, it's not, so it just doesn't really have much value for me to say, but I will say it anyway. If it were up to me, I would just have all the – like everybody, no matter what gender you are, should just be in the 500s. Like everybody's equal, like I, I, I would say, uh, in, in there, and you could just kind of go from there because you could still – that's happened a ton of times. We did it on the Twitter account. At Russell Update 23, a, a wonderful Twitter account where you get news, you get info, you get live tweeting sometimes. Follow the Twitter account, Russell Update 23. I work hard on it, to be honest. Uh, but we did it on there where it's like you can break it down by any note you want. Top 10 Raw wrestlers, top 10 SmackDown wrestlers, top 10 men's wrestlers, top 10 women wrestler. You can break it down any way you want. Top 10 indies, uh, Japan, whatever. You could break that down how you want. That's how I would do it if it, if it were up to me. Uh, but what do you what do you think of how they they have chosen to do this? Um, yeah, the intergender thing is interesting. It's got people like you know Masha super high up, um, and then like people super far back, even like Vixen, who's the deathmatch champion of Australia's deathmatch down under. Um, so it's. It's definitely an interesting bunch. Um, again, like it's one of those, like you said, if they're going, are they going to as well place on the women's? Because I would assume then that Masha, like, but then it's like, okay, where does, I, I don't understand. Yeah, exactly. Um, like that, that's the problems you run into with this. It's like the idea is, I think they had good intentions. I just don't think it's executed like as well when they could just, I don't think anybody would have argued against just put the women on the list. Like, who would have argued against that? I'd be like, no, you can't do that. But also, this one's okay because it's intergender. No, and simply in that, like, in analyzing this purely from like the 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 oh my god, looking at this purely from like the the aspect of like division, right? Where it's like they have a men's one and a women's one. Like they've decided that. And then they're like, okay, and now we're going to have a men's one, but with women that also fight men. And it's like, but does that not factor into where they would place on this list yeah. that you've created already? So it's them kind of just like stepping on their own toes. I have no opinion about it either way. Yeah. But well, it's it, just, it doesn't it's, matter. Like, you know, that's the thing. Like the list is so weird because it's like – so I saw somebody on Twitter say this. Um, when the editor was apologizing for leaving Naito off. Uh, somebody said it's very hard to do a list like this because it doesn't – like it means nothing, but it also means everything at the yeah. same time. Because if you look to wrestlers, this probably means more than the Observer Awards like or something, which – say what you want about the Observer. There's at least 
like their criteria at least makes sense uh pretty much for it but still like to wrestlers this is a way bigger deal than any list but not bigger than the wrestle update awards which will happen at the end of the year that is the true number one awards of all of wrestling uh which we will have uh, later on which will far surpass uh, any list that you have here but i do have some stats for you about this list before we move on to stuff I looked at it, and in the top 100, the, for the American companies, AEW had 22 people, WWE had 20, Impact had 10. So you have the top three American promotions, <laughs> AEW. Because by the end of the list, it's like the whole roster is basically the top 500 of, of AEW, WWE. It doesn't really mean anything. But in the top 100, pretty much even. AEW had two more, the WWE. And then I looked, took a look back. I looked back to last year's PWI 500. And I saw who the biggest movers and shakers were. <laughs> who gained the most from 2022 to 2023? And I made a top 10 list. Number 10, with over with 226 they moved up 226 spots from last year. Gron Guerrero from CMLL at number 30, <laughs> the CMLL champion. This is another thing. I know a lot of listeners don't care about this, but the way they do Lucha is by far the worst of any of the companies. They do anything or, or regions because they just – we tried, but nobody wants to understand that the belts don't – matter in lucha libre it's all about the mask matches and stuff but regardless he is the champion so he moved into the top 30 despite doing very very little of note this year but he is the top 30 um steve macklin from impact moved up 221 spots and he was actually the champion uh, earlier this year like he was their world champion he moved up all the way to number 41 so top 50 steve macklin Wow. Yeah, he had that match where he stapled PCO's mouth shut. I forgot about that. That was yeah, a good match. That was disturbing. It was a disturbing match, but it got him publicity. Uh, I will say that because yeah. everybody was talking about that. Congrats on 41. Yeah. Uh, Gringo Loco moved up 282 spots to 162. Uh, GCW veteran, Lucha veteran. He's worked every company in existence, I think. Yeah, on a recent show, Prezak was talking about how he talks with Claudio and they have like phone calls where they discuss basing. Like, and I don't know if that's true or not, but I want to believe it's true. I believe it. Like, who would you rather talk to than Claudio about that? No, Claudio called Gringo initially to ask him questions about basing. Well, Gringo, who would you rather talk to than him? I mean, <laughs> as a as a an American, you know, as a white guy luchador, he has to be proficient in that skill. Yeah. So, I mean, he's who I would call for that. He he might be one of the top picks, legitimately. Uh, you know, Gringo Loco, good good dude. Like I said, uh, he got up to 162, and uh, <laughs> somebody who moved up 294 spots. This was the name a lot of people were talking about. I think he really stands out when you look at the list. Unfortunately, we may never be able to talk about him again and never talk about how much 
of a piece of shit he is and how much he sucks. But of course, Tyrus from NWA moved all the way up to number 58, uh, moved 294 spots. Last year, he wasn't even the top 350. But this year, after his prolific NWA title reign, Billy Corgan gets his representation in this PWI 500. It's hilarious that Nick Aldis is right in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who was not the champion at all. And that's another thing. They try, they've tried to change it with the wrestling ability because obviously, like if you factor that in, he's basically not the top 5,000 of wrestlers. But because he was pushed a lot, because uh, Billy Corgan wanted him on the news show or whatever he was on, uh, he ended up getting this high push and ranking and stuff, and yet still below Nick Aldis, someone who was not the champion at any point. So that makes a ton of sense, <laughs> certainly for, for NWA. Moving up 300 spots, Akira. Akira all caps. You know him. Oh wow! Okay, wait. What did he? What was his last year and this year? Uh, last year he was 429. This year he was 129. Wow, good for him. Yeah, he's fighting um, Masashi Takeda like this this coming month or something. He's about to do his first Japan tour, so that's awesome. Good for him. <laughs> yeah, that's a big deal. Uh, for him, obviously very inspired by Japanese wrestling. He's wrestled all over the place, deathmatch stuff, MLW. He's a big part of. I think he's like a double champion there in MLW right now. So that's right. I forget he's in MLW now. Okay. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> like I don't know if a lot of people follow MLW <laughs> in general, but uh, they they actually do some good stuff. They have like a very interesting roster in MLW. In all honesty, they've done a great job of putting together people. And they got a lot of representation on this list. Um, Carrie Agreed. Morton. Just yeah, can't Carrie, say I've ever. I've yeah, tried I've watching MLW. Like, what What was the Jacob Fatu, like Joseph Samuel? It was like the faction. Contra. Do you remember Contra? Yeah, Contra. Oh, my God. And then Jordan Oliver was in like that prison unit with Myron read oh yeah <laughs> that's like when i was watching and um i think it was mance warner was fucking feuding with like la parka and jimmy havoc and they were part of some evil crime family so now that i say that like that actually was kind of fun um but yeah like mlw is like it's just very flat soda like the bottle you're like yeah that's a sprite i like sprite and then you drink it and you're like ah i'll, I'll have a different sprite <laughs> You know, I totally respect that. <laughs> I'm a, a soda fan for sure, uh, and I'm a Sprite fan. So if you gave me a flat Sprite, I'm not going to be very happy. But MLW, they just like they have so much going on with them from one month to the next. It feels like you know, there's always a big faction. Like remember when they tried to do like they brought back Lucha Underground, but in MLW, <laughs> like they brought in Mil Muertes and Dario Cueto was there. Yeah, um, yeah, they have it's like something like Aztec or something like that, was it? Yeah, yeah, Aztec Underground. Oh uh, my god! To to avoid copyrights, of course, <laughs> there. But they just always have these big ideas. But I don't know if they're always put together in a way where it's easy to watch their shows. 
but they were they were they remember they were on reels or stars or or something like that they had like a major show for like a month month i think they're <laughs> that lawsuit's still going on too like they're suing wwe because uh, they got thrown off after a month or whatever. They're like, hey, WWE's rigged our system. Like, we can't get on any big shows because WWE keeps blocking us. And uh, it moved forward. Like, they actually moved forward with it. They might win. Who knows? Uh, on there. WWE going through a lot. We're going to talk about that <laughs> in a second right now. Uh, Kerry Morton, 316 spots up, up to 132 overall. NWA, more NWA representation. Uh, I met his dad before. A very cool guy. He's right in front of Minoru Suzuki. Make perfect. I mean, <laughs> that's the fun of this list is finding who's next to who. Morton, I, Minoru. <laughs> that's the real Kings of Strong style. <laughs> should bring him in. Like I said, his dad is one of the best ever, and I have a ton of respect for him. Um, I've seen him wrestle, but he's not his dad. But he is he's pretty good, like especially for an NWA guy. He's probably one of the best guys that they have. But he's a he's a good wrestler. Uh, good to see him getting represented. Speaking of good, good wrestlers, Shitaro Ashino from All Japan, uh, 93 on the list, made the top 100, wow. 327 spots ahead of where he was last year. So he had to be like uh, 410 last year. Has uh, he returned yet from injury? No, no, no. I hope I, we think they're going to run him versus Yuma, like maybe New Year's. He should be back. It looks like he's actually healing very well. Uh, it seems like he's putting in a lot of work to get back as fast as possible. But with an arm, like a broken arm like that, you just have to kind of go with it and wait for it to heal. But it looks like he's working extra hard to get back. Obviously, he a tragic story. If nobody watches All Japan out there or somebody doesn't watch All Japan, uh he won the champion carnival, the oldest tournament in Japan, huge moment. Like final did a great number, like lots of people attended and it was a lot of fun and a great match. But then he broke his arm during the match and still finished it anyway and won. Uh, but he couldn't get his title shot. So he, he will get a title shot at some point. I'd probably against Aoyagi. Like you said, cause they have a big show on the 31st, like on uh, new year's Eve, they have the, a big all Japan show in your Yogi, like a big mm-hmm. arena. And I think that should be his spot. Man, I just when I think of all Japan and the pandemic, I think of that six man that went to like the 60 minute draw when the pandemic first began. And then yeah. watching Shitaro Ashino lose God knows how many triple crown attempts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the pain of being a les enfants terribles. <laughs> Listen, nobody <laughs> will appreciate that name more than me. Metal Gear Solid is like my favorite series ever, like of video games. Uh, so for him to name his faction after that is absolutely ph- phenomenal. Oh uh, my god! Okay, tangent. But this week for work, I had to do a lot of like naming for characters and stuff like that in the game. And um, you know, a big narrative influence on me is Kojima. So I actually came up with a bunch of Kojima-like boss names. So I, I can tell you two. Um, this is breaking news, is- people. Yeah, but no one say anything. But one is spectral malady, and then the other is rusted rot bane. So it's it's so fun to get Kojima with it. I can't express enough how good that is for getting the creative juices going. Absolutely, uh, Kojima. 
legendary ga- video game maker. <laughs> like, like I said, Metal Gear Solid had one of the greatest series ever, but he left Konami and like, you know, there was a ton of controversy <laughs> surrounding it, and they, the company really screwed up bad. <laughs> like, long story short of it, and. But that game series is so cool, and to have somebody name it, hey Fox, like my my name, taken after Gray Fox, like originally, uh, on there. A lot of my moves are Metal Gear Solid based. Uh, Noel as well. I took. This is how deep I am in Metal Gear Solid. I was playing Portable Ops at the time on the the original PSP of this Metal Gear. So if anybody knows their Metal Gear, it's me right now. And Shotaro Ashino definitely passed the test as a represent, representative. Um, Master Watto moved up 350 spots to number 86. He went from a, a geek to a player. Like he's actually like everybody likes him now. Yeah, that um, Best of Super Junior final, right? It feels like yep. this run really elevated him. Um, feels like he's kind of finally been able to leave behind that. Like, just the sort of debut stench he had that permeated for so long. Um, That's cool. Yeah, I'm excited to see what he keeps cooking. Yeah, me too. He's got a lot of upside. Like, he's really improved, done a lot of good things. And like you said, got past all of the horrible debut that he had, the gimmick and everything, which just became a meme online and in New Japan. Um, Number two, 363 spots up, Solo Sokoa up to number 38. Uh, you know, moving up big time into the top 40. He's awesome. Like, I mean, every, they, everything they've done with him is good. Yeah. Um, good for him. Like, like I think we talked about it recently. Uh, he's probably the most um, well-booked, like, NXT call-up in years in terms of, you know, more than anything, the way he's been integrated into storylines and just the roster in general. Um, I, the least annoying bloodline member to, to me. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I'm really excited to see what he is able to do once this storyline is over, because that's when he's really going to have to find his footing. Um, so, and we'll see maybe in like 2042, we'll finally be able to see what yeah. happens to the bloodline after <laughs> the story is done. Yeah, he's in his 50s. <laughs> That's when he's going to reach his true potential in WWE. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I like him a lot. Great theme music, too. <laughs> Among the best. That's another show we're going to do one day. Something about like entrance themes on here. We, we have to oh, touch on that. Damn. Uh, that, that that's a future tease because I want to talk about them, and his is one of the best right now. Uh, Dragon Rojo Jr., the top mover and shaker, 374 spots into number 83. And as I said, uh, being a part of a major mass match on Anniversario tonight, so well deserving. Even though I'm very happy his push is coming to an end after after the night uh, at the end. Uh, we had some guys who were not ranked last year who made it. I guess were the true movers and shakers. You had Kazarian, Soberano Jr., Joe Hendry, Madoka Kikuda, Dragon Gate champion. Uh, Naruki Doi, who was not the Dragon Gate champion, but still ranked ahead of Kikuda on the <laughs> list. Uh, Wes Lee from NXT. He wasn't on last year, uh, like, but he made it. What, so what? what is the calendar year? Because they don't do like a January to December, right? They're like weird. It's July, yeah, it's July to July. I, I okay, because – 
I guess I'm trying to like, and again, this is like where it gets weird, right? Because I'm like, all right, well, Doi won a bunch of titles outside of Dragon Gate, That's right? True. But yeah. then Madoka just kind of he he like he won the Open the Dream Gate like recently, right? Like May or yeah, May. Okay. Yeah, May. Um, but yeah, I, I guess it's fair. It's only a few spots. It's fine. Uh, Ray no, Phoenix. Doi should totally be in front of Madoka Kakuda though. So <laughs> you you have, you have strong opinions on this. So should Big Dust. <laughs> Big Dust ahead of Kakuda. Shots fired at Kakuda as champion right now. Uh, <laughs> on there. Not that I disagree with you, but still, uh, this is a Big Dust respect podcast. Uh, Phoenix also not ranked the last year made it this year. I don't know if he was injured or something, uh, but you would think he would have been on there. Higuchi from DDT also. Uh, not ranked last year, up to 55 wow. th- this year. Uh, that counts as basically his whole title run is within this calendar. Uh, and he was awesome as champion. I I miss him, <laughs> like, overall. Yuji uh, Nagata, number 44, obviously Triple Crown champion, made it. That's cool. And Samoa Joe, not ranked last year, 14 this year. How about that? 14? How did I not... Okay, the Ring of Honor TV. <laughs> the Ring of Honor TV Championship is very prestigious. I'll have you know. How is Bobby Lashley ranked 19? Uh, is, like that's that's nothing against Bobby Lashley. I just I haven't. Has he had a storyline in the past year? Or like not in the the rankings. They just started a new one with him and the Prophets. But but in July, yeah. July, no, he didn't have any storylines. Because he was U.S. champion, but like that's what for nineteen. That's wild. Listen, the U.S. championship will not be disrespected on this show. <laughs> uh, the prestigious like uh, Austin Theory title that they had. Ah, yeah, Theory thirty spots behind Lashley, but was the champion the whole year, <laughs> pretty much. So. Uh, very interesting there. Uh, top 10 followers, people who fell, lost spots. Uh, so tied for 10th here, Joel Bateman and Yo. I mean, two names that you definitely consider very similar, I would say. I mean, Joel Bateman has actually carried a division before. I will say that. Joel Bateman, Deathmatch champion, also of Deathmatch Down Under. Yeah, uh, in Australia, yeah. Yeah, ICW American Deathmatch champion. Part of the Blood Fighter faction. I actually, I, I've seen a lot of Joel Bateman matches. This is a surprise to me. Joel, what happened? Let's get you back up next year, buddy. 179 spots. They both dropped down to uh, Bateman at 392 and Yo at 376. Uh, Ultimo Guerrero, uh, 259, 181 spots lost, which is very amusing to me <laughs> to, to know how much power he has in CMLL, but still fell off the wayside this year. Good. Uh, great Okan lost spots, 185 spots. He's down. He moved to 379 this year. Uh, so Okan, he seems like a guy that you might be into. Me? Yeah. When he wrestles Zack Saber Jr., yes. yes. Outside <laughs> of that, not often. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, he's not very good. He he's a. <laughs> He's a. The thing is, he's like an Olympic wrestling champion or whatever. 
But they have him doing this wild Mongolian gimmick, which makes no sense uh, whatsoever. Yeah. And he kind of stinks in it, so it's fine. Uh, Evil dropped 189 spots. Why was he ranked so high last year is the big question uh, we all have. But he moved to 304. Tied, another guy that you rank together, Jossie. What? Jossie and Evil. Oh my god. Okay, Jossie is is he a US indie guy? Yes. Okay. I think I've seen Jossie like maybe on a big kid brunch. I okay, I, I have no memory, but I think that's he's like fascinating. A, a, he's like a he's a dude. <laughs> like it, it, it He's indies. a dude. <laughs> yeah, they, you know two AW. Yeah, I think he's from a rather like he's a like Seth Rollins trainee. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, so around that two AW area, you know, we we give it up to Jossie right now, <laughs> much better than Evil. Jaw, that's what I remember him. Okay, yeah, frontman Jaw. Yeah, frontman Jaw. Uh, Moose in Impact lost 199 spots to 220. Man, he was ranked high last year. Uh, there. Uh, what a horrible. Like they totally screwed up the title change to Josh Alexander with his family. I, I, that's the main thing I remember about him from last year. Uh, Kofi Kingston lost 209 spots, 294. He was injured, so uh, Masato Tanaka from zero one down 219 spots to 361. Uh, Josh Woods from Ring of Honor down 242 spots to 400. <laughs> Uh, well, I was about to say, like, does he still wrestle? And then it's like, oh yeah, he's like Ring of Honor, of course. Um, and the number one faller losing 247 spots, Yamato from Dragon Gate to 354, which is also extremely amusing to me. Damn. <laughs> yeah, Josh Woods. You know, like when new management comes in. And, like, you were previously a manager, but now you're pretty much just, like, an underling. That's kind of how Josh Woods got shuffled in that Ring of Honor uh, new run, the revision. But, damn, Yamato. Sorry, bud. Um, I just saw Jimmy Lloyd's 386. So, honestly, that's, like, my closing statement. I'm happy he got on there. Um, I just saw beef as well. Yeah, this list is wild. Like I could riff on this all day, but like you said, I don't I don't want to torture the audience. You thought I made beef up, didn't you? No, I've seen him wrestle in the in Pit Fighter before. Um he's like a Northeast guy. I, like I think like I, I think he might have been like a limitless champion or some shit like that, like a hundred percent. One thing I will close it off here. <laughs> um Using their their criteria, I didn't make 500 wrestlers, but I I sat down, I put a ton of thought into this, and I figured out a top 10 purely for American wrestling Ooh. for the purposes of this show here. Uh, people I consider kayfabe, both kayfabe winners and like good wrestling. Uh, they all combined list here. So I can I looked over the rosters, I looked over the list. And I looked at the categories they had. So, for example, win-loss record, people like Moxley, Orange Cassidy stood out to me. Moxley, 91-13 and 13 over the last two years. That's his record, win-loss record. OC, 71-18, win-loss record. KO and Sammy, great record. Cody, like 
58 to two this, this year or something, but he was injured last year. So I take him down a, a peg. Uh, Mike Bailey had a really good win loss record too. I noticed speedball uh, as well. When I, when I was doing my research here titles, obviously Roman Reigns has the top title. Everybody knows that, but OC had the legendary run. Guther had the legendary run. Even with secondary championships, I counted them a little bit above maybe Seth's title, for example, who he's the champion, but hasn't had it for nearly prolifically. And MJF runs. It is a top title, but I think his run sucks. So I I negated him down a little bit, but I still considered him a plus in that category. Uh, All in all, here is the 10 I came up with. And feel free to judge me out there, you, Nello, and all the listeners as well. Uh, honorable mentions would be Hammerstone from MLW, the champion for a million days, uh, finally dropped the title. Uh, Mike Bailey, again, kind of underrated on the scene. Uh, did some good stuff in Japan, too, with the best Super Juniors, was one of the MVPs of that tournament. Impact had a good run, always doing good things in the Indies. The Usos and Kenny Omega would also count as well. I think Omega, he missed some time, but he had great matches, was the trios champion, elevated them to much bigger stakes than they've ever been before, mainly because of him, and is in a major feud. So I liked what he did. But my top 10, MJF, I slot in at number 10 here, the current champion. I absolutely loathe the current storyline with Adam Cole. I think it's one of the worst things in main event wrestling to, to me ever. Uh, but, and I also hated the four pillars stuff. Like basically his whole title reign has been awful. He's a terrible mind for booking wrestling, but he also had a great match versus Brian Danielson and takes up a ton of TV time as a very prominent in his promotion, which is one of the categories. Brian Danielson, amazing wrestler. Everybody knows it so good that I got him in the top 10. Uh, I wouldn't say he's prominent in the promotion, but when it comes to his feuds, I think he's built the best MJF feud by a mile, uh, and he's done a lot of great stuff with the BCC and Elite feud as well. Seth, I put number eight. Cody was number seven. KO and Sammy were kind of like tied. I think Sammy was more prominent than KO, so I put him in the top five. Uh, Gunther, Roman Reigns, Arj Cassidy, and Moxley was my number one for the PWI standard of rankings. I love that. Um, yeah, I would Moxie or Orange Cassidy would be interchangeable as number one for me. Um, yeah, they were my one and two on the list. Oh, that's a good list. I like that. Yeah, like Roman is, and it was funny because as you were saying that, like it's objectively the top title, but it and by far the most prominent person, like in, in the in the promotion. Yeah, and it's just one of those things now where I'm like, God, dude, like it doesn't even feel like there is a title. It's just Roman. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 exactly. Like they've booked um, the title so poorly. If they had just gotten, if they had just taken the title off of him earlier, three different times that they could have had it and had it a tremendous moment, I think we'd all be better off for it. They might not have even made Seth's title. If, say, Sammy or Cody had won it before, and we would have avoided all of these problems that has come with it. Because in reality, the Bloodline story is really just about who the chief is. Like It's not about the title, per se. It's about who runs the family. So it's really stupid <laughs> how they've done it. But that's actually kind of a good segue to talk about some stuff now. Did you see The Rock come back on SmackDown? 
Yeah, it's so lame. Like, him and Cena are obvious. Like, we talked about this, I think, last episode, right? Like, Cena and, like, scabbing during this actor and writer strike. And I think The Rock's a lot more glaring than Cena. Because, you know, Cena, uh, what, within the last five years, at least, was a a semi-wrestler regular who would – or semi, you know – yeah. regular wrestler who would make appearances whereas the rock is like dude this guy has not been around and it's just very obvious what's happening and i don't know i i think it's super lame um the rock also doesn't do anything for me i won't lie i'm not one of those people who's into the rock um i i i saw the return i saw that they put him in the ring with austin theory um once i saw that i had like no interest in the segment. I imagine that The Rock like tore him apart, probably got some like chant over, like we were saying, you know, where they just kill someone. Um, and yeah, is he going to feud with Theory? What happened? I would love to hear about it. Awful segment. Um, <laughs> I said this on Twitter. Like, how many of these legend rubs is Austin Theory going to get? I mean, like, we keep making average Austin and try to make him a thing. And He's not like he's just not. But Rock came into the ring and the main point of it was he was like one side of the arena is going to say you are. And then the other side is going to say an asshole. And they did it. But then Fox kept doing a horrible job of bleeping out everything. They would try to come back for like two seconds, but then bleep it out and they would miss it sometimes. And then they got it wrong and they bleeped out everything for like three minutes straight. It was a terrible segment because of the the bleeping they did on, on Fox. It was a horrible, horrible segment. Uh, yeah. Imagine how cool that segment could have been if it was Grayson Waller. Who had a much like, funnier segment with Cena in the main event segment. OK, well, good for him then. That's funny. So in the opening segment, The Rock got to eat Austin Theory on a plate. And then in the main event, did Waller get to go toe-to-toe with Cena? He didn't go toe-to-toe with him. But he, he the thing is, so Cena's gimmick on this show, every time he would try to talk, Waller would interrupt him and like be like, hey, you're not even a wrestler anymore, John. Like, you don't even wrestle here. And then he took his shirt off and tried to look all intimidating. And he was like, I got one thing to say. And then suddenly, like, Jimmy Uso came out to also interrupt him. And then Solo came out to interrupt him. And then AJ saved him. So but the only thing I would have changed about the main event segment, uh, because at the end of it, AJ had seen a cleared house on the bloodline and threw him out. And then Heyman was like, call Roman, call Roman. And Cena and AJ stood tall. The only thing I would change his I would have liked Waller to like pose with those two and act like he helped. <laughs> like, cause he Waller basically just sat at the desk while they fought, fought in front of him. And yeah. he, he kind of danced along to solo's theme song <laughs> when he did it, which was very amusing, but I would have had him jump in front of both of them. Like, yeah, we did it boys. And then maybe Cena could give him the attitude adjustment or, or something. It, it would have been funny if that would have happened, uh, but it was okay, but just a lot better than the horrible rock. And Austin segment, but a lot of people are saying that they think that Rock could face Roman at WrestleMania. That could be the title program. Dude, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> That's the um, worst idea. Solely, Why do you hope that? So, because solely for the fact that everyone who has been talking about how, oh, well, you know, Cody lost because they're obviously going to let him win. I just like I want this story to end. 
like that at this point. Um, I don't know. It's I feel like Roman and Cody are like intrinsically linked, but with no purpose. Right. Like we were saying, Cody does not factor into this story at all since he lost whatsoever. And taking Jay Uso to Raw does not put him back in the storyline. Um, the Rock makes the most sense. Like, oh, you want to be the tribal chief? Well, guess what? I'm the richest man in Hollywood. So I'm the tribal chief, right? And then also I think it would finally allow if, – if it's not going to be Cody, right – it's one of those things where, like, that's all people want to see him do. So I think it's like, let's move on. And also, it would be a really, really um, awful match. And sometimes it's fun to watch those matches. Just like Roman and Undertaker at WrestleMania. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was painful. Yeah, that was a horrible match. We could get a repeat of that. I want to see Roman attack the Rock at an XFL game. When, when their season starts oh, that would be awesome can you imagine like week one of xfl season the rocks cutting a promo at a football stadium and suddenly roman reigns like it hits him with the belt and picks up the mic and says acknowledge me to the to the xfl stadium That's he's wearing his old college football uniform yes we still have to get the xfl the football lore into this as well uh rivals too, georgia tech and miami so they have obvious uh hit beef between them back to the football days but yeah like you said i'm pretty much out of the bloodline storyline period so uh you know if they do this it's fine like it's just it's not what i would have done but whatever who knows what they're going to do? Who knows who will even be employed by this company, by WrestleMania, because the TKO merger happened uh, this Tuesday. They made a belt with the TKO logo on it at Wall Street. It looked ridiculous. But they had a bunch of UFC guys, a bunch of WWE guys there, like executives and stuff. And then they said, hey, we're going to fire a bunch of people. So they sent out this email on Thursday which I thought was horrible business practice, by the way. Like, why are you going to send an email out saying there's going to be some layoffs? You show up. I'm not saying you'll be fired, but you could think about it for a day. And I just think that's kind of like very – like I said, Seto Kaiba runs this company now. That's that's just the fact of the matter. Uh, so they fired a bunch of people, people from development and digital marketing, enterprise and master data, their CFO – like this guy, Jamie Horowitz, who was a big wig at Fox Sports for a while, but then he had like a, a like some kind of harassment deal, and WWE was like, screw it, we'll sign him anyway. He got canned. I think that of, – and then it got uh, – PWI reported that there's going to be a lot of layoffs on the roster too. So it's basically going to be exactly what we feared last week when we talked about how the UFC merger or takeover or whatever – happened in ufc they fired a bunch of guys and even if they were stars they let them walk like they don't care about anybody that's probably how this is going to go there's probably going to be some big changes but on the other hand it does give some opportunity now whoever gets let go is on the market for a place like an aew 
which I think especially for the behind-the-scenes executives, they definitely need new people in AEW and, and marketing and things like that. So I would take a big look at some of these guys they fire behind the scenes, like the, the data people I think would really help them. Uh, Amanda Bloom is said to be really well-respected in the company. I, I asked around about some people, and she's really well-respected uh, for her work in the data field. Marketing, I think, way up for WWE compared to AEW. I think it would be smart to get them. Uh, I, that's who I would look at more. Whoever gets let go from the roster, um, when we don't know their plans, we don't know who's gone yet, but there's probably going to be some changes. I just find it hard to believe that a true difference maker would be let go of. It'll probably be like Dolph Ziggler might be, might be like the biggest name that gets released. Somebody who's not really doing anything overall. I'm sure some of the producers probably have to be a little worried right now too. But uh, questionable emails and business business practices aside, uh, how do you feel about these people getting released? Do you think there's any hope for AEW to get some of these guys or just anything in the wrestling business? Um, my one note from like the actual Wall Street, like the the whole event was. Oh yeah. When they were ringing the opening bell and everyone's just standing there like. You know, like a statue clapping. And Vince is doing the Hulk Hogan hands, like doing the ear thing to the crowd and like trying to get a chant going. (laughs) With his shitty mustache, dude. And I was just like, man, remember a year ago when he retired and now he has more power and money than previously imagined? That's crazy. Um the whole thing, I mean, like in that, like, you know, sense is pretty dystopic. Yeah. Overall, this is pretty much what we all expected to happen, especially with a corporate merger. Um, like, I mean, I, I don't have a lot of investment in in the merger and stuff like that. Um, just in terms of, I don't know, knowledge, um we are not interested in stuff. Yeah, we, like yeah, we're not business people or investors or anything. Like <laughs> yeah, I, I love WrestleNomics, but it just it has not been on my radar. Um, the one exciting thing to me is the, you know, I think it was in the Nick Khan and Bill Simmons interview, but the the notion that they will do UFC and WWE pay per views is sort of like dual weekend events, right? Um, and I'm a big fan of that purely in the sense of, you know, when UFC gets a really good hometown show and WWE does the same, you know, like we've seen with Bad Bunny in Puerto Rico earlier this year, um, you know, with Sammy in Montreal, like being able to do a SmackDown on a Friday, UFC on a Saturday, pay-per-view on a Sunday like that will be so cool. And, um, I think that those weekends will hopefully just make all of these events feel bigger and bigger. And yeah, maybe we will finally get that um, Enochism revival in the WWE. Um, (laughs) Could you imagine that would be so cool if like, I don't know, I'm trying to think who are Zhang Wei Li is now in the women's division of WWE. Who are the top three WWE wrestlers you would like to see? Like, do the Yuji Nagata run. Yes. UFC. Put them in the UFC? Yeah. Hmm. 
because we had Shayna was a UFC person and Riddle, but Riddle got fired, and he'll probably be one of the ones fired from WWE before this is all said and done, considering he's uh, what he's been up to in the airports lately. Uh, he will probably be one of the first names they they will happily get rid of. Uh, Shayna, she wasn't a good fighter though. So yeah. yeah. Too bad Ronda's not there. Like this would have been perfect for her, her to weasel her way back in the UFC <laughs> if this could have happened. I, I would know. love to see Drew McIntyre in the heavyweights. Oof. Oh yeah, Drew as a fighter. Okay. Now see, Mama, my grandma is the biggest Drew McIntyre and Bianca Belair fans uh, possible. They have power, but they, they strike me more as like weightlifter power. You know what I'm saying? Not necessarily punching power. Guess we'll find out. My what other about two, Tozawa. Ooh, Tozawa would be cool. Um, also in the heavyweight division, that might be brutal though. No, he, he, he <laughs> would he be a heavyweight? No, no, no. He'd probably be like a featherweight or something. I have no. <laughs> yeah, clue. exactly. That's that's what I was thinking. Put him in the the smaller division. Maybe Cody Gable. No, like, he would have to be one. Gable. Yeah. I'm like I'm doing it from the perspective of like I'm just throwing people to the wolves. I have no knowledge oh. of your experience, and you're like Johnny yeah, Gargano. This person has a pretty good background. <laughs> Johnny Gargano. Gargano. Oh my gosh! Everyone's like Rebel Heart, Rebel Heart, <laughs> and on the opposite side of the cage is just like Kevin Holland licking his lips. <laughs> Speaking of, okay, we have Kevin Holland fighting tonight, and then a Grasso versus Valentina rematch. Yeah, see, look at wow. that. Good weekend. Who from UFC could cross over to, to, to WWE? Oh, all of the worst people, honestly. That's the important. <laughs> like, Sugar Sean, Patty, Strickland. It's like anyone with a mic. Colby. Like, it's all the worst people who I would really love to see. Like, okay, if I could book three fighters. Like, it's hard, right? Because someone like a Max Holloway, who's like one of my favorite UFC guys, I'm like, would just look really weird in a wrestling ring, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, God, I would say, like, I would love to see Jan Blockowitz go against uh, Gunther. Uh, <laughs> I would love to see, I think Aljo could be really good. And then, um, oh my God, I was just... It's just in my head. Shoot. Oh, I you can't have, remember. Is Moreno still in UFC? Because I know he did that Lucha thing in AAA this year. Oh, I don't know. Oh, Brendan Moreno. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he is. Oh, there was like one guy I had in my head, though. Who are the champions right now? Not Volk, but another. Cain Velasquez. <laughs> Might be a little hard. Oh, <laughs> oh I can't remember. Issues right now. <laughs> oh man, I really wish I could remember who my other person was, but I can't. Uh, Zay, Zay Lee, I'm telling you, put her in WWE and have her knock out everybody. That that would be. I would sign up for that, honestly. Put her with a manager. I think there's money there. Maybe. Oh. Runa. Gilbert Burns, put him with Alpha Academy. There you go. That's what you're on about. Right I think now. that would be so sick. Like him just smiling and choking people out while Gable and Otis are like, yeah. 
you got Maxine right there. You got a whole <laughs> faction built around it. What a weird show this has become uh, right now. Like you never would have expected the, the the show to go down this route. But I legitimately do think there will be like crossover. Yeah. Like I do think that there. I don't know who it'll be. But somehow, some way, some people are going to get involved in this. They even said they want all the UFC fans to become WWE fans, which is probably not going to happen. But uh, a fine theory that you could come up with, uh, you know, so, so to speak. But I do think there will be some crossover and maybe they'll build up to like a WWE guy. Like, I want to fight for real type of type of gimmick that you could easily parlay into something. But I think after Punk, like... Would anybody even try such a thing? Like they would just know it would be crazy, and like maybe Brock. Like they just say, "Screw it, we need Brock back to UFC." Yeah, I mean it's one of those things. Okay, Lashley, but I feel like Lashley's a little. He was undefeated now. at MA, wasn't he? Yeah, like he was. Bell- he was a champion in Bellator. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I feel. I mean, he's like what forty-seven now. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like all these guys are old. <laughs> Yeah, he, honestly, I would say send Bobby to fight Fabrizio and uh, Junior Dos Santos in that bare knuckle brawl thing. Just make it a triple threat. But it, it's okay. going to be interesting because, like the, I think the the main issue is that you know you want to convert each fan base over, right? To convert UFC fans to WWE fans is easier in like a monetary sense, and to convert to fans. To, see it's like dude there is such a financial gate there um when you're looking at like because even the just to do the um, like the fight night or like what it's like the they're like the televised shows and they're the ones that are on emp espn plus and then there's the actual like numbered pay-per-view shows right yeah so yeah it's i don't know it's it's that paywall that i feel like makes it hard but you know they couldn't be more opposite in the sense of like, I feel like their fan bases are very like their core, like not us, right? But like the core general fan bases are very different. Totally so agree. it it will be interesting to see how they try to convert and how they try to um, co-promote and intermingle. Now, what do you think of the idea? <laughs> because I do agree with that. We've seen TNA in the past bring in like Tito Ortiz and Rampage and, and all of that. Like they'll probably try something similar to that. But I just think it's interesting. I posted a long, long thread on Monday about this. What do you think of the idea that for the first time in history, this company, the biggest one in the whole world, is not in Vince's hands technically – do you think it matters that much? Because I saw that as a big deal, and I posted a lot of historical facts and things like that, and a lot of the things that he screwed up on and done terrible things about it. <laughs> I also posted about that. But I kind of go back to what you said at the start of all this, that I think people are kind of overrating that because he ultimately has more power than ever, <laughs> like like over two companies now through the use of this sale. And there was a lot of people speculating about why did he sell it? Was there a rift in the family? He doesn't want Triple H you know, or Stephanie or whatever to have the company anymore. And to me, this felt like a very easy way to explain it as he was in hot water, 
and rightfully so. He should have been gone, like by all moral compasses. Like he should have been gone. It sucks that he's not. It sucks that this rich guy once again gets out of problems. Like every rich person ever has now avoided the law once again. But he was able to skate from all this pretty much, although he, he's still under an indictment of some sort with the, the federal grand jur- jury. So he's still in a tough spot. It's not all clear waters, but he's more or less gotten out of this with more money and power than he ever had before. So to me, that's what I felt like it was. He saw an opportunity to finagle his way back into power. It, he had to sacrifice being the sole owner, but he still came out way ahead. Like to me, like I, I don't even think there was that much, and maybe there was like a drama behind the scenes. I'm sure, I, I'm sure he hates all of his family. Like that, you know, if, just knowing his personality, I'm sure he hates Triple H and Shane, and especially Shane. If anybody else, like Shane has had to jump off of so many high things just to try to make him love him over his life, and he still he never did it. But I really think it's more so the fact that he was able to get power out of all of this, and he basically conned his way out of a horrible situation he was in that he caused, obviously, but he was able to get out of it. That's how I felt about that. Yeah, um, in the Bill Simmons-Nick Khan interview as well, Simmons asked, was selling with in, selling to Endeavor, was that influenced by Vince still being in power, right? And Khan gave, you know, corporate answer, something like, no, it was like Vince being in power was never a question, right? It was all about selling the company and him trying to help us do that. Um, In fact, it wasn't until, you know, a while into the talks and endeavor that it was even brought up about Vince coming on board. But then, like, you watch the interview with Ari and Vince when it was first announced after Mania and they're like, you know, Ari's like, it was never a question if Vince was going to be like back or not. Right. Like I yeah. needed him to be able to do this. And it's like it, it's just total bullshit. Right. And yeah, he's like, Vince, oh, I love him. He's my best friend. He's a genius. <laughs> like, and all that. What was that all about? Like Ari Emanuel kissing his ass live on TV. Yeah. Um, and like, what is it? Ringmaster by Josie Reisman. She, I mean, it's probably the best book that you could get on Vince McMahon at this point. She crushed it. Um, and I, I use that as, um, there's also a really good Behind That Bastards six-part episode. It's the only six-parter besides Henry Kissinger. So if you're into like historical podcasts about the greatest bastards in history, um, check that one out. But you know, Vince really thrives off the neo kayfabe in the sense of like when he's behind what he does behind the scenes, he gets away with because of the character that he's built in the public. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, well, Vince, you know, he does that stuff on TV. It's it's the same thing that like other figures in like this country and throughout history have essentially used. Right. Oh, well, that's just so and so. Right. And you sort of just get away with it. Um you know, I think Vince is really one because he doesn't own WWE anymore, but now he has, like we said, way more power. And he's also going to be like way more. He can be completely in the shadows now if he wants. Right. Because he doesn't own the company. There isn't this immediate yeah. assignment. So it's like he can go totally covert. Or, yeah. Now just totally covert. Um, I think he's just in a much better position to do far worse things um and you know an entire 
got indictment of millions and millions of dollars in sexual um, abuse, like scandals is led to him. Yeah. You know, literally rigging the Wall Street bell as like he's like, what, the number two pretty much right in the company besides Ari. And it's just like a very, very gross reminder of the culture um, and country that we live in, where these people, you know, it it's just like if you have money, you do not have to live by the same rules and so it's hard, right? But yeah. it's like any sort of sports fan, any sort of music fan, you know, yeah. uh, film fan. Like you're a fan of anything, and people are going to poison the well. And it's very fucking hard to grapple with these things, man. And it's never fun. Um, so I wish nothing but misery to Vince McMahon. And I very much hope that whatever happens with these upcoming cuts, that the wrestlers are okay. Um, yeah. Except for Cody Rhodes, who now has to start <laughs> doing the Yuji Nagata run. <laughs> Cody to UFC. <laughs> that's that's where he finishes the story. <laughs> it's Gilbert Burns walks backstage and he's like, "Hey, Cody!" And Cody's like, "Oh shit, do I have to?" And he's like, "I'm gonna tear your peck again, dude. Like, we're gonna do this." <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> but yeah, I really agree with everything you said about Vince. <laughs> like. Just a horrible reminder of the world we lived in, but you look at stuff, the history of him and the things he was under. I mean, going back to the 80s, he had so many things that were in the shadows, you know, that have kind of been brought to light. Even the Jimmy Snuka stuff that he was helping, you know, cover up allegedly and things like that. Uh, You know, lots of scandals, times that he had to pay people off. $19 million in corporate funds moved around. Uh, it's just a crazy, crazy guy. A very discouraged. I don't want to like psychoanalyze anybody or anything like that, but I think if you look at his history, he's a very like disturbed person. In all honesty, like if you look at a lot of signs he has, like I think there's a very troubled like man under this facade of Mr. McMahon character that he's created. So it's just a really weird thing. But a lot's went wrong. And like you said, it's not just him. It's a symptom of the world we live in, ultimately. There's no escape from it. We just, we're all just trying to get by and live our lives the best we can at the end of the day. And uh, we have, unfortunately, no power in a scenario like this. But like you said, for me, even Cody, I do wish the best for. And <laughs> I'm sure they'll bounce back if they so want to. They're all pretty talented, like even the the NXT people. They'll be able to find their way. I'm pretty confident. So hopefully there's nothing too dramatic about it. I will say, like, I I don't think AEW needs anyone right now. Sans, like. Yeah, like if Roman Reigns got fired, then yeah. It's like, I, I guess you could sign him just to be a like a star player, but that's yeah. not going to happen. So. I feel like they've really finally hit a good rhythm because for so long, right, there was that um, instability of just yeah. like. It's like, you know, you're going to have characters for three weeks and then like people would cycle out and you'd have like a few main players. But now it feels like we actually have a recurring ensemble, which is really nice and I think has really helped with momentum and overall feel. So, um, God, yeah, honestly, I was expecting like, you know, if Jade does leave, I was expecting maybe Keith Lee, Wardlow, um, 
like and some other people to potentially leave and go back. So it will be interesting. And again, too, like um, I imagine maybe Carlito gets released. I'm still curious to see what happens with Nick Aldis. Um, You know, Brian Pillman Jr. just signed. So it's and like Jade was supposedly about to sign a big money deal, which she absolutely still could. Right. Like I think the value of a Jade Cargill, once you really once you really crack the code, whoever the booker is on how to properly utilize her. Right. Um, Because I think that she did have something going in AEW and then like much of the women's booking they start something and then they have no idea what to do with it. And then they just kind of let it run. And then things sort of change without resolution. Right. Um, yeah. Or they're very rushed. So I think whoever can elevate her to that next level, you know, there's a lot of money to be made there. She's a superstar. So you can't, you can't create the look that she has, you know, at the end of the day, like that, is such a star presence that she has such an amazing look, you know, it's like so in shape, like just amazing star power. The way she carries, carries herself is so strong that it's impossible to quantify as a wrestler. I really am not a fan of hers at all. To be honest, I, I, I think that she's really in a tough spot right now where they pretty much, maxed out on what they could do with her in AEW. That's why that's why she probably will not come back and maybe she will, you know, at the, the 11th hour, things have happened, things have changed but in WWE, everyone says it's a better fit for her and I think yes and no in a lot of ways. Yes in that now she's going to be in a spot where like they're going to be able to put her in a different envi- her, her in a different environment when it comes to training and things like that I think that they'll do a much better job of helping improve her game because at AEW, she never really even had a chance to improve. Like she was just doing the same stuff over and over and it led to her stagnating and kind of, you know, fizzling out more or less with the title run. They didn't know what to do other than just have her win all her matches in squash fashion and anything past that. She was pretty much, let's just be honest. Anytime she was on a pay-per-view, she was the worst match on the show. Like, and that's just how it was. She wasn't up to the working standard of the men's matches. And the women's division as a whole has struggled. And I think that's a thing we have to recognize because I think that the WWE women's division, the standard is higher, like, not in terms of talent, but in terms of wrestling and how they utilize people. And on one hand, yes, you hope that, that she'll benefit from that. But on the other hand, the, the standard has raised like she's going to have to improve or else she's going to end up falling by the right wayside, like much like, you know, Nia Jackson the first time like they that's somebody with a look that, you know, they loved somebody so big that you thought they could see money in. But she oh, they so, brought her back. Nia Jax. Yeah. And I think that the same thing's going to happen with her is the first time they love the look, but she she's going to flame out. You know, like, like just like the first time, like they want her to be a star, but she's going to flame out. And I think with Jade, you want to avoid that because she has legitimate star power. Good promo on the mic, too. Like she carries herself well. I think she's going to need some help, though, in the ring to 
adjust to that working standard of your Rhea Ripley's, Bianca Belair's, Asuka's. You know, I think that they need to help her along. I feel like you could, you know, Jade absolutely feels like one of those people that you could just slot on main roster for numerous reasons from the get-go. But um, last week we were talking about, you know, Lynch and Stratton and how the NXT women's division more than anything has sort of always thrived off of, you know, having that, that ACE at the moment, right? Banks, Bailey, what was after Bailey? Oscar, like Athena, like it's always been a a Shayna. And like, that was just a very long, that was like five years. Right. And then in like the past year and a half, you've had multiple champions. Now with Becky, um, I think if you brought Jade into NXT, yeah, natural work. right first start. Yeah, totally agree. Of like, uh, remember when Balor won the title? They brought in like Cross at the same time, so you know where they're going to, you know, eventually collide, and that's like this sort of big money match for them. But along the way, it's like Balor works with Dunn, O'Reilly, all these other like you know guys who are then elevated to a level to where when Cross wins the title, he has guys he can fight now, right? Yeah. So. That that I think that uh, that could be a really fun thing is Jade in NXT Becky elevates the division while Jade like you know gets her gathers her bearings familiarizes herself with the new audience she yeah. will get to run the coconut loop um, yeah. <laughs> and you can really build her up man like and like NXT thrive like that's the place where having like monster. Um, champions, I think, works so well just because it is about like building yourself up and stuff, right? Oh, so when- absolutely. And by, by the way, not to cut you off, but congratulations, you were correct about Becky winning the NXT title. Oh, uh, I, actually, I actually watched that match, and it was really good. Like I thought they did a great job. Uh, one of Tiffany's best yet. And did a huge number uh, to over a million viewers at the end for Becky and Tiffany, which is way up for NXT. Shows you the star power of Becky Lynch once again. Uh, you were totally you you were totally right because I said last week that I was skeptical of her winning the title, but considering how it played out, and now with the news about Jade possibly coming in, you were totally right. Like you you made the right call for sure. Yeah, and. Um I don't think there's anything wrong. Like NXT is starting to feel a little more like how Tony approaches ROH. Yeah. Which is, I think what's making or what's is what keeps me invested in ROH at least is that I'm getting to see some of my favorite dynamite people like Claudio and Eddie. um, And then like some of my favorite other wrestlers like Athena and Billy Starks, you know, and stuff like that. Willow also. Um, And there's like, there's no, you know, weird division between the two. Like there is a seal, like it doesn't feel like it's a ceiling now so much as a doorway. Yeah. And that makes it feel special. And a lot of people were like, Oh, well, you know, (laughs) Nyla Rose had just talked about this actually on Twitter she quote tweeted, um, you know, the it was the viral tweet recently talking about how great Athena and Billy's storyline has been with Lexi Nair and Ring of Honor. Yeah. And she was like, you know, I like and people were like, oh, well, why would you put something like that on Ring of Honor if it's so good? 
And then now the Rose is like, I don't get why people always complain, you know, like, oh, Rampage is an important, Ring of Honor is an important. And then once, like, you know, people start talking about these shows and these storylines, like, oh, well, that's too big for that show. And it's like, do you want these to be successful? Um, and I don't know. The crossover is great. I don't think the stars of NXT lose anything. If anything, they gain so much. Um, like whoever Absolutely. beats Dom for the North American title, that pop is going to be insane, you yep. know? And it's like, it could be the worst match in the world. Like remember when AJ beat Jinder Mahal in England, that was not a good match, but fuck people were so stoked. Um, Oh yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And like, um, you know, like, was it Seth who came down to work with Carmelo or someone? I can't remember, but it was Braun. Braun. Okay. Um, like, yeah, let's have like exhibition matches, you know, like, yeah, th- this is such a random tangent. This is one of those like ideas where it's like this will absolutely never happen. But I remember I think they did this a year ago, or a couple of years ago, but like Noah had a little blip where they were doing those championship preview matches where they would do like the 15 minute time limit, like warmups, remember? And they would always go to a draw and it would be like the night before. But I would love to see something like, um, you know, for the champions, like a 10, 50 or just anyone on NXT, but doing like, you know, you could literally make them a type of match where, yeah, like the Spider-Man bone saw gimmick, right? If you can last 10 minutes with so-and-so, you know, you could something get into well, the we, rumble we saw how well that ex- we saw how well that exact angle worked with gable and gunther like the five minute challenge gable blasting the five minutes meant a lot and then it led to him actually beating him by count out and they built that storyline so well that you could easily do something similar on nxt with an underdog player finally you know, beating the challenge, and that's a big moment just to last it. And then when they finally win, that's an even bigger moment, like you said, especially with a heel like Dominic. It, it definitely makes a lot of sense. One other thing, that's, sorry, but I, I apologize. Wish, I love it. Oh, thank you. Um, I wish NXT did was. Did you watch Beyond Uncharted Territory at all back when it was on? Yeah. So I can't remember what the exact name of it was, but it was like the. Um, like the season long gauntlet, you know, where it was always like the opening match and it would be like, oh, if you won that week, then you would, you know, get to repeat appearances until you lost. And then whoever won the last match of the season got like a roster spot for the next season. And I think like the last one I watched was like Aaron Rourke versus like Slade and Slade was the final one and then won. But you know, doing something like that for NXT, I think, could be so cool because then you can get a lot of your, um, you know, sort of people who are like people like Odyssey Jones, right, who can pop up in those. Like just the randos who are there, but like you're just not really using in storylines just to have this kind of, you know, like revolving cast of characters. And then you can really build people like organically like that, you know. Um, it's just a way to experiment, you know, with a live crowd because you can really see what's working and what's not. And the storylines aren't necessarily dependent on anything. It's it's like uh, it's about like the most artificial way you could still execute the old um, Dragon Gate title where it was like you got over or you won via like the crowd reaction. Right. 
the Owari gate. Yeah. Yeah, I love that idea. Honestly, I think that's a great way to use NXT. They definitely hit onto something with this Becky thing and, and what they've done with Dominic and, and everything going on. I think that's why you see the growth of the company so much right now, where they're doing so many great things and the ratings are going up and you're, you're setting up storylines. Like you said, changing it from a glass ceiling to a doorway to the future, which I think is a really good way to approach it overall. Same thing with Ring of Honor. And Athena has just been phenomenal. Uh, when, Whenever we get to the women's 250, she'll be in the, in the top tier. She needs to be ranked very high, to say the least, on the PWI. But, uh, yeah, before we get out of here, just a, a very quick preview here of the Grand Slam next week. We will talk about it next week hmm. and do a show. They've announced five matches. Um, you know, we'll just kind of give our very quick thoughts here, five, ten minutes probably, before we get out. Moxley versus Ray Phoenix for the international title. Uh, one week after working completely babyface in his hometown against Big Bill, Moxley will face Ray Phoenix here for the title. Uh, Moxley's going to win. Uh, do you have a hype level for the match? Oh, it should be awesome. I mean, I'm excited. Phoenix is like the storyline makes sense, right? Phoenix missed the match. He's back here now. Um you know, I don't think the obviously the crowd is not going to be as big like the past couple of years, it seems like. But, oh, yeah. you know, big match Phoenix, big match Moxley. I'm hyped. The match should be phenomenal. Um, we haven't really got to see Phoenix in a showcase match. Moxley obviously has been one of the main players. And we both talked about on the episode about all all out how much we love the main event he had versus Cassidy. We have to hope that you have a similar match here, and they're going to need it. Like you said, this may be another case where All Out, there was all this controversy surrounding Punk. People were talking bad about the show one week after All In. People were kind of hating on it, but that put a chip on everybody's shoulder and allowed them to deliver one of the best pay-per-views. So I'm hoping that the lack of attendance and the lack of promotion and the lack of hype for this this Grand Slam it leads to a guy like Moxley being like, "Screw it, we're gonna, we're gonna make this the best show ever, pretty much." And I and I hope that we see that on this show. Claudio Castagnoli versus Eddie Kingston, a double title match here, uh, Ring of Honor World Title versus the Strong Openweight Title. So some New Japan influence. Eddie coming off the G1. This is a long term rivalry dating back to the Chikara days uh, between these two. Uh, who do you think wins this? This has got to be the big moment finally, right? Like, for Eddie? Yeah. <laughs> like, he has yet to win the big one in AEW, or it's like when he does, like, for instance, when he beat Jericho, right? And it's like, oh, he won the big one. And then that feud went on for six months, and he fucking lost the feud. And it's just like, cool. Um, So this is, to me, this is the match of the show. Um, Eddie Kingston, hometown crowd. Um, there's a very big difference between a New York Eddie Kingston fan and a Long Island MJF fan. Let me just say that now as someone who lived in New York. Um, <laughs> it's like um, Ooh, uh, shots fired right now to Long Island. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> but I think that this should just be like 
this has the potential to be like, um, you know, one of the hardest hitting matches of the year. Like I'm going into this and I have like the same giddy feeling I get when I see like a Sekimoto versus Okabayashi or like a Fujita Jr. versus Musashi where I'm like, man, they're just going to fucking hit each other. It's going to be sick. <laughs> and that's what this match will be. Ultimately, just a, a hard hitting matchup. I think it makes perfect sense for him to finally win it. You're not going to get a bigger opportunity than here, despite the attendance or whatever. Just the TV number is going to be much bigger here than it would be on a Ring of Honor show. So try to have an epic match, get people talking about Ring of Honor, and maybe steer some people to the service and watch their show weekly. I think it's the best opportunity the only thing I could say that would stop it is if they have plans for Mark to win the title. But I think now is the biggest spot to do it. I would change the title personally. And I give Eddie his moment because he's one of the most popular characters. I mean, even him just walking up backstage, there was a loud Eddie chant that broke out. And you Dude, don't get that for a lot of guys on the roster. No, he's like whenever you're there live for Eddie Kingston, like whether it's Defy or Evolve or AEW, like it's always Eddie, Eddie. And it's like that's love. That's passion from the fans. And, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb here and just like, you know, looking at the overall card is while we move through it as well. But I think so. Two things. One is like this is the most excited I've been about AEW in a long time. I think that they've been building to this and Wrestle Dream and like two very well building both to both of those simultaneously, but having two very different feels as opposed to all in and all out kind of felt like a mess. I felt like this already felt like a massive improvement. Um, yeah, like Grand Slam, you have titles represented. You have big storylines like Outcast and Tony. Um, you have massive like hometown like stuff and like the grudge match in Jericho and Sammy. And then Wrestle Dream is really like it just feels like, <laughs> you know, how the name says, like it's just dream matches right now. Um, and I'm super hyped. Um, but and then the second thing I was going to say is even with something like a Moxley and a Phoenix, if the matches on this show were worked well, like enough, like conceivably yeah. this these are all matches that they could convince you that any person could win going in. Right. It's not like an Orange Cassidy versus Aaron Solo, like. AEW international title could still change hands at any time, man. And they could do some great false finishes like Claudio winning the new Japan strong title to me makes just as much sense as Eddie winning the ROH. Right. And it's these things where I feel like a lot of these, especially in the way that they've just kind of pushed things could conceivably go either way. Um, So I'm excited for, for that like feeling of, you know, do I really think that Samoa Joe will win? No. But am I excited to see how they do this? Yes. And sometimes like that, that's my fave. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, uh, I will say my thoughts to the end of the world title match. What about Jericho and Guevara? You mentioned it. The grudge match they're kind of building here. They had their promo segment last uh, last Wednesday at Dynamite. They had the music video talking about how long they've been together. And Guevara was basically saying, hey, even after we fight, we'll still be a team and we'll win the tag titles, <laughs> which 
I think either option of these two winning sets up interesting things for the tag match <laughs> they have. If Jericho wins, uh, Sammy like loses all of his confidence because a big part of the story is him trying to break out from underneath Jericho's shadow. But if he loses, then it's like he goes right back into a shadow and he's not ready yet, <laughs> just like Jericho said. And if Sammy wins, then you might see something where they enter to Sammy's music instead of Judas, and he has to be secondary to Sammy. And we know that his ego won't allow that. So there's storytelling possibilities with this match. I can't say I'm super fired up for it or, or anything like that, but I think it's somewhat interesting. And Sammy's been doing a lot better as a babyface lately as well. Uh, so they've done a pretty decent job building this up. And that's kind of rare for a Jericho match. You just hope that the match turns out okay. Because anytime you have it, it could be something kind of bad. But I think they're going to put a, a lot of effort into this. I think it'll be okay overall. And I, I think either way is possible. But I think Jericho will win, ultimately. I, I don't think they're ready to put Sammy over. Yeah. Sammy feels like, if you look at the four pillars, I mean, obviously, Jack's not around right now, but... <laughs> yeah, he's last automatically. Um, but Sammy does not feel... I, I don't... He was not on All In, and then he wasn't on All Out, was he? No. Yeah. Um, doesn't seem to be really factored into much. Um, he needs this win. Um, like, I really like the the storyline that you proposed of, you know, them coming out to Sammy's music, Jericho's ego ultimately being the thing that undoes them. Yeah. Um, that's cool. And, and I think that could lead to a big, like bloody blow off, you know, between these two down the line at the end of the year, okay. where they do stuff okay. with the titles. I don't think it's impossible if they don't win the titles. If that's the service, the storyline FTR, I mean, they're good wrestlers, but they're not interesting right now. And they don't really have any feuds down the line that you can look at. Maybe get that get those away for a while, and you could do something with them as champions, and maybe that bridges to, you know, a Jay and Juice tag team title win over Sammy and Jericho. You could have Jay yes. and Jericho, and that leads to a big breakup. Like, oh, if I, if I was the man, we wouldn't have never lost the titles to, to them. And that could lead to something big at the start of next year or the end of this year. Because I think this will be a fine match, don't get me wrong. But I think Jericho could probably be better served with smoke and mirrors and things like that to really get over the heat of this feud at the end. But I'm I'm kind of happy without it, though, because this match, his match versus Osprey was way better than the match versus Adam Cole that he had, which was a big gimmick match. So I think this match will be better. It's impossible to be worse than the Adam Cole match. <laughs> but I think it'd be better. Um, the, the the women's match on the show, Soraya Tony Storm, as you mentioned, they've pretty much fractured the Outcast now. Ruby still was Soraya. Uh, Tony won the Fatal Four Way to get the title shot in the first place, and then Soraya cut like a really heel promo on her, which I think is smart. Tony's just too entertaining to not turn babyface, pretty much at this point. Her character is lightning in a bottle. I think she should win the title, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, Soraya got her moment at her hometown or home country. I just think there's way, way more upside to Tony winning. But I could see them doing something with Ruby, maybe trying to interfere. And that extends this whole thing to where they have a three-way, you know, in a month or whatever. I, I really liked 
um, Soraya and Ruby's segment with Renee on Dynamite, um, especially how <laughs> they just were like wearing black and brown now. Like Ruby's hair was no longer dyed green or anything. It was just like that simple little omission that is always so funny in something like wrestling where it's like, oh, no, they're not wearing green anymore. <laughs> um, yes. Like, am I a fi- fan of Soraya? No. Do I want this division to thrive? Absolutely. Um, I have very, very, very high hopes and low expectations for this match. Um, you know, Soraya, after All In, said she's actually 100% now. That now we'll really be able to see what she can do again. So... To me, this is like her, you know, Paige versus Emma take two. Like, you need to make a fucking statement, right? Um, you know, Everybody needs it in the division. Yes, and I would love for Tony to win. I totally agree. Her character's lighten, uh, lightning in a bottle. Um, what was I going to say? Her character, though, is also one where, like, okay, so, for instance, like, her character versus something like... Uh, the acclaimed right at grand slam last year it was like dude the acclaimed then holy shit and if you would have had them lose at grand slam it kind of would have been like well all right that was a fun month you know and then with tony though like if she loses here her character can still just get just as wild right like i think her character can benefit from winning i think her character can benefit just as greatly from losing um so I like more than anything, I think this just needs to be a great match, like not even a good match, but a great match. Tony is someone who can do that. Um, God, like outcast antics would be really unfortunate just because I want to see what Soraya can do. I don't want there to be like a bunch of, you know, you know, hiding things or having to use gimmicks. <laughs> the spray paint. Exactly. And when she comes in with brown spray paint instead of green. That shows the fully formed, like the outcasts are done now that they have the brown paint. God, that would be so unfortunate. That would also be pretty questionable to just like, that would kind of be like the band from, um, that played a uh, wild thing at the last anarchy in the arena. Oh, that guy. I would, yeah, unfortunate. Um, God. <laughs> but yeah, no, like I said, Low expectations, high hopes. I love Tony's character. The match I'm really on edge about. Like you said, the expectations are not high for this. But I think the crowd could take this over and really rally behind Tony. And that could make this something greater than it would have been on its own. I really think Tony is going to get a huge ovation at, at the arena. And, and that it should be some, uh, some fun stuff there. Finally, last match, Samojo versus MJF for the title. Like you said, the odds are very strong that MJF is going to retain. But if you look at the segment at the end of Dynamite this week, that crowd was electric when Joe choked out Adam Cole. Like, they couldn't stop chanting for Joe as they they choked out this comedy geek that they've established as a main eventer the last two months. Uh, the crowd loved it. I think the fans are going to rally behind Joe here, to, to be honest with you. I think that they're going to side with him. He's just so cool, like so much better than MJF and Cole as a character, and not even as a wrestler, but as a character. He just has something that they don't, a spark that they don't have. Because, I mean, the match with Roddy, it was pretty good. I wouldn't say it was special at all. Definitely not as good as Roddy versus Darby, which was a fantastic match. But I just think that 
the character is so hot. I just don't can't make myself believe they'll actually change the title. But if it was me, I look at these attendances. I look at these ratings. I look at your talk online. And at one point, does this not trickle up to the champion? You know, at some point, you have to look at him and his horrendous storyline that he's been doing for the last year, pretty much. And, like, put some blame on him. Like, he has not been a good champion. I don't know if this is controversial to say or not, but MJF, his ideas suck. The Four Pillars storyline was a total bust, which ended with a good match. Don't get me wrong. Like, the match was great, but the storyline was truly stupid and awful. Like, everything about it sucked. And now this stuff with Cole, it's popular in the arenas and popular among their, their hardest of hardcore fans. But I just it just makes the company look so cheap and bad, especially after the all in main event, which to me was an absolutely atrocious match, in my opinion. I just don't like, think he's a very good champion. I think Joe would be a lot better. If it were me, I'd pivot now and just hit, you know, abort mission on this Cole and MJF crap. Yeah. Um Cole and MJF has just hit that level for me that I it again, like we were saying, you know, after all out how the international title kind of feels like yeah. the Rollins title in comparison to the universal one, like Reigns and MJF, where their feuds never really feel like world title feuds, but just kind of like gimmicky, you know, really bad Hollywood bullshit. Um, and like, you, you summed it up really well by saying, you know, it's loved by the live audiences. And, and that's a very important factor. Right. Um, but, um, you know, I think that in pro wrestling, because we see it so frequently, too, that it is like any sort of media piece of media machine, you know, it's going to find something that works. It's going to fucking push it down your throat. And like, you know, look at, for instance, something like Prince Nana dancing, right? What was once like this organic, like fun part of Dynamite is now constantly pointed to where it's like rather than him just dancing in certain parts. Now it's like, OK, now we're going to have like pointed out, have it on commentary. It's like it can't just be its own thing anymore. It has to be like, you know, it has to be branded. It has to be identified. It has to be all these things. And, you know, MJF and Adam Cole have quickly run that cycle in terms of, you know, something that felt fresh like MJF, um, you know, in terms of the, um, oh, he's not going to turn on Adam Cole. He actually has a friend. Cool. And at that point, like, it's just been accelerated so quickly to the point where, like, it is bad. It is, you know, like I said, if, if it's a product, it's gone rotten. Um, for me, it's like if Ellie Knight yelling "Yeah" was um, a world title feud. It's just like it doesn't do anything for me. I respect that a lot of people like it. Um, it's over with live audiences, but again, like to be fair, and I want to point this out because I think we can learn something from this match with Joe coming up. It is popular with live audiences. But then when you compare that and you match it up to Joe, the fans rallied behind Joe attacking your beloved hero that everyone loves so much like they cheered him. If the crowd really if this crowd rallies behind Joe. And it is an overwhelming reaction that that 
that tells me that this might not be as beloved even among their actual fan base. This is like a fun in joke we're all a part of, but not something that we're passionately into or actually have heart into or actually care about or want to pay to see. That that would tell me that if Joe gets a huge reaction and overshadows MJF here because he already did it with Cole. And that tells me that because ideally that attack was to make Joe a monster. I'm going mm-hmm. to take everything from you. Like really well, very well delivered by Joe. But he was received as a heroic figure attacking this man from behind. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely love for Joe to win. Um and MJF I don't think will, outside but I think of we this, something from it at least. Yeah, and MJF definitely feels directionless right now. Um, I believe it was the end to Dynamite. Yeah, it was this week where it was like Roddy being carted out on the stretcher and just yelling Adam, and it's like they have three minutes left, and that was the whole thing. Like Joe choking out Cole was cool, but I was like, this has to be like one of my least favorite um, Dynamite endings that I can think of. Gave me sort of the same energy as that one where like Dark Order took down the elite. Remember, like before the the holidays, like I was, was like just December. thinking about that. Like, dude, yeah. I literally thought that same thing. I was like, this reminds me of that Dark Order episode. <laughs> yeah, because I'm just like, it feels like we've just kind of okay, right? Like something like a movie like Deadpool comes around, right? And oh, all of a sudden they figured out how to do an R-rated superhero movie because everyone said, oh, you couldn't do that, right? And then you're going to have so many copycats yeah. and they try to do the same thing. But it's like you just can't if you want to be the next X, you will never become who you're meant to be. Right. Or whatever. But damn. Yeah. This this Cole and MJF thing is just like it's derailed just completely. And but again, like that isn't being reflected in the arenas as much as like a nightmare family you know, or something like that, or a hearty family office. Like, yeah, yeah. I like, okay. The double clothesline, the kangaroo kick, like I'm really over those. I think that those hurt their in-ring competitors. There's like the double clothesline is a meme, right? That's what it is. Totally like, agree. They're memeing this world title. So when you beat someone like a Kyle Fletcher, who are like supposed to be part of your newest, like hottest signed tag team that you've signed in a long time, um, and he gets beat by a double clothesline. But it looks like you're playing Red Rover. And I think it makes the other people look like shit. And right yeah. now, MJF and Adam Cole are kind of like, thank God so being some are doing favors that they're in the ring with themselves right now. And like, dude, I think Cole's stock. Because when they were all in, I was like, yes, this is a good main title program. And it was right after all in ended. Like that whole match is what really <laughs> turned me on it. That yeah. was the turning point for me. Because um, I feel like they had two directions to go, right? Completely jump the shark and just lean into like the meme elements and just like the catchy things that are working um, or tell a story. And they opted for the, the you know, just meme shit. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I so, think they lost yeah. me. They lost me that episode where they ended up playing video games together at the end. <laughs> I think, which is right at the. I think that was like the, the start of this whole thing, uh, pretty yeah, much. Wow. So you're off the train early. <laughs> yeah, and especially like, the Chinese food scene. Like I thought that stuff sucked so much. Yeah, no, that, <laughs> and that I was like, steakhouse. This, 
Yeah. That, all of it was bad. Like The thing is, all of their in-ring segments are actually good. Like I've liked all of their promos. Their first match they had on Dynamite I thought was a great match. But the stuff with the meme stuff, like that's a perfect way to describe this feud. It's a series of memes, you know, cobbled together to make a non-existent storyline go on and last. And I don't want to see it anymore. And to Joe's credit, what you were saying about the double clothesline, he feels like a guy, if they tried to do that crap to him, he wouldn't sell it. Like, he'd break through and just beat the shit out of everybody, pretty much, where, unfortunately, Fletcher, they don't put the care into that they should have. And like you said, it basically made him look like a joke at the end, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but Joe feels like he's above that. Like, you know, like, he wouldn't fall to that. He'd, you know, he'd fight through it somehow. And that, that's the kind of character that I think resonates much more. Like a badass who, like, how could you not like this guy? Like, all he does is whoop ass. Yeah. No, I, I would love a Joe title run. Like, I mean, give us the book, Tony. Like, let's make Joe champion. And then at full gear, he drops to Dragon, who then has the last year run of his, like, oh, I, just of all time, right? I wish that would happen so much. Like, that Brian would get the title. I wanted it so much in March. That was probably the closest to a good MJ, J, MJF feud we've seen. And even that, it's like you had him talking about getting a blowjob from Liv Morgan and crashing his car and switching bodies. It's like, what the f- like, like, when I saw yeah. that promo, I thought, this is one of the worst promos ever. <laughs> no, I, I, I really, like, I do not like his long meandering, like, story time promos and stuff like that. Oh, like, they're awful. It's, and again, you know. And it, not, to, not to interrupt you again, but. No. They really showed it. A couple of weeks ago where they put him and Joe in the ring together. Oh, my Joe, God. Like obliterated him on the mic, in my opinion, like was way better. It was also really awkward just because it was like MJ. Like and this is like this is just like a big thing in general. Right. Like I don't understand the notion of like body shaming and wrestling because <laughs> it's predicated on combat, like not. Yeah. Appearance. Yeah. Not right. And yeah. like. Obviously, they're incredibly vain people or whatever, but it it feels antithetical to the sport is always and like saying you're fat is the easiest thing. And then Joe's like even Joe's response, like, yeah, like he went up max. But I thought the, and then he had to say uh, the last time I was thinking about ice cream, I was the number one star on the other network. And I was just like, <laughs> that was stupid. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck are we talking about right now? Like, yeah, what does that even mean? No, like, <laughs> what does it have to do with anything? Right. And yeah. So, like, no, MJF has benefited from all of this a lot. He's still the champion. He's still in the top spot. And now he has, you know, more to work with, essentially. But I think Adam Cole went uh, Adam Cole went from feeling like a legitimate new main eventer to, like, again, this is, you know, I said it before, but what? MJF is Dennis. Adam Cole is Mac. Uh, Roddy is Charlie, and then the Kingdom, Taven and Bennett are the McPoyle twins, and that's literally how the dynamic feels. It sucks, and I, I don't know. Is Dean. <laughs> Wait, who's D? Uh, Tony Storm. Tony Storm. Oh my God! Yeah, getting the shoe thrown. Yes. Um, <laughs> she would have to get it thrown at her, but oh, that's true. You're right. Um, I don't know. I'm rambling. But yeah, no, it's just I want I just something remember to that Cole, Remember when Cole came back and he cut that amazing promo about his concussions? 
he nearly broke down in tears talking about Brit. How it's like I'm somebody who's had devastating concussion, and that resonated so much with me. I thought it was like so real and like one of the best promos I ever saw on Dynamite, to be honest. And to see him go from that to the Chinese restaurant and the Crocodile Dundee and and all of this is so disappointing to me. Like I thought they had a golden character on their hands better than he ever was before. And instead we're playing these goofy games with Roderick and – it all just sucks to me. But uh, regardless of that, I do think MJF will win, despite my wishes and my dreams no. that you said of, of Brian winning the title, ultimately. And I'm willing to give it a chance, but I'm very, very interested on how many people they give away tickets to to come to the show. However many they can get into that that stadium, I want to know about what the reaction will be. Because like I said, if Joe gets a huge pop and they're all wanting him to win – I think that's something to learn from, like that this storyline isn't as great as maybe some people are saying it is, uh, even with the the live crowd. But with that said, I'm so happy we got to do this show. uh, Speaking of going (laughs) off the rails, this show looked like it was going to the first 30 minutes or so of it. But we got it back on board, talked about some good stuff, and I feel really happy about it. I feel really happy going into Grand Slam next week. And now we have a whole segment that we could call upon next week where maybe some of us will look smart and some of us – maybe MGF, he gets – he is the hero. Joe gets no reaction, and he just wins the title and looks like a super hot baby face and it does 10 million viewers, and we're all wrong. But regardless, it was a lot of fun. I'm very happy to have you on again and, and for us to get together really more accurately again. And hopefully uh, everybody's doing good out there, but – Nello, you have a, a lot going on in your life. You're working so hard. Thank you for giving us all the time, all of your time that you could give. It means a lot to me. It's going to be a lot of fun next week. Um, but regardless, uh, anything you want to say, you could say anything you want as long as it won't be like illegal or something. Just say anything. <laughs> um, shout out to my brother Tino. Uh, Tino, a, a recurring character right now on Russell. Yeah, recurring, t- recurring characters on vacation, so um, he checks out the podcast. So I'm knee deep in Starfield. You would hate it. Um, and then let's see here. Oh, indie match of the week. Check it out. Uh, Rina Yamashita versus Mike Bailey. GCW crushed up. Really fun, like third act closing. What's stretch. the date Just, on that? Oh man, it was. Was it last weekend? Let me see. Uh, September 10th. Yeah. I'm looking forward to getting into some GCW again because, like I said, I was I was really impressed with Homecoming and the show we did. Really hyped mm. for the War Games coming out next month, but I know they had some really interesting matches on there. Like they brought back Lash LaRue, of all people, on one of their shows. Yes. Oh, my God. Him and Joey went like 20 minutes. That's awesome. Just to, <laughs> just to have Lash LaRue back. I, I cool. I, I can't state how much that wars my heart. <laughs> so GCW <laughs> winning me over as time goes along. And uh, like I said, follow the Twitter at WrestleUpdate23. We're going to do a match of the week on there too as, as well. So uh, everybody check that out uh, overall. Like lots of fun stuff on there. I put a lot of work into it. So uh, hopefully everybody follows that. And hopefully everybody keeps listening to this show as well. A ton of work goes into that as well. And uh, shout out to Tino, most importantly. Uh, <laughs> like I said, everybody got to gotta show some things there. Shout out to my sister, Cheyenne. She actually 
if you check out my other show, Eastern Lariat, on our Patreon, we actually got together to do a show. We reformed our Tiger Mask W uh, episode, which is like a, a cartoon about Japanese pro wrestling, pretty much. Uh, there, super so. fun show. That's awesome. Yeah, we're going through it all. We have a seventeen. We had sixteen episodes in the backlog. It just came out with number seventeen, but we're gonna get through the whole season. And in a couple of weeks, there's gonna be the first ever free episode of that too, uh, for the hell in the hole portion of it, which is a a major portion of the series, pretty much. So, uh, both of our relatives getting some some shine on Wrestle Update, and Cheyenne too. She is the one who named the show or, originally. Um, I mentioned it before when me and Scott started. We had to get a new name for it, and Cheyenne was the one that came up with it. So shout out to her. She is in the Wrestle Update DNA. One day she will be on the show. I will force her to come on. At some- <laughs> shout out Cheyenne. Thank you. Thank you. That's okay right now. Uh, but yeah, especially if Ibushi, if Ibushi has a big match because she's basically the the biggest Kota Ibushi fangirl ever. So if she if he ever gets another match on TV. I will find some way to bring her on the show. I promise <laughs> everybody out there. But uh, regardless of that, thank you guys for taking the time to listen. As I said, we'll be back next week talking about Grand Slam. If there's any news, notes, or whatever, we'll fit that in too. Uh, but thank you guys for joining us on this fun little foray. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. But until next time, this has been your Russell Update.